Hello and welcome to Agitate, a periodical podcast of creative, entrepreneur, and other interesting people. My name is Rob and I'll be taking you on this journey. So sit back and enjoy yourself. This is Agitate. Hey everybody, today I'm talking to Charles McQuinlan. Charles is a uh, freelance photographer. He shoots a lot of surf stuff here in Northern Ireland. Used to be a tour photographer with Prince uh, and is now also shooting for Getty. So let's cut to it. Here's Charles. So we're here live with Charles. Go ahead, you can have a bite. No. So Charles, Charles is a photographer uh, as well. A, uh, a large line. What would you call yourself? What kind, what kind of photographer are you? Uh, a learning photographer. A little, do everything? <laughs> yes. Aren't we all, really? Yeah. These days? So lately you've been taking up doing sort of different personal stuff, right? You've got yourself a 617. Yes. You're getting an infrared. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you have to, I, I don't know about you, but if I don't have that, that personal sideline to the, you know, the more day-to-day earn your daily cross stuff, then that would drive me nuts. Yeah. yeah. So it would. Yeah, me, I'm kind of the other way. It's, it's nice to put the camera down and walk away and, clear my head and I wouldn't know I would agree to it with it people say to me oh you take your camera it was another colleague said recently oh she, you know she takes her camera with her on holiday and stuff like that she's expected to I wouldn't even I wouldn't even dream mm. like the iPhone would be as that's, much as that's, I yeah, that's what this <laughs> is for I wouldn't even dream of that like once like no I think I think you're right I think you definitely need downtime just to clear her head and sort of not try and not to think of pictures because mm-hmm. you because you're constantly you're constantly looking. Everything you look oh, at yeah, is, is your brain always brain is always composing. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So you have to you have to switch off. Yep. Just even driving up the lane here, with the sun the way it is, so low in the sky. Yeah, your head's going. And and you're it, sort of thinking, I, I should be black, doing something. Black and white, right here would be so amazing. Yeah. The shadows would be so deep. Oh my gosh. Uh, where am I going? Hold on. Where's the GPS? Oh God. I'm lost. You can imagine a carpenter, a joiner, that every Every kind of building or I guess every, I guess a real board. artesian, <laughs> like a real craftsman, would come in and look and go, I wouldn't have done that like that. I mm-hmm. wouldn't have done it like this. Or it's just part of part and parcel of your career, your life. Mm-hmm. Been doing it far too long. And you kind of get turned off at the end of the day of a long day of work and you're just like, oh, you push it all away. Oh God, the client needs his stuff first thing in the morning. And like, oh, there's three hours worth of editing tonight. And See, that's, the editing is always something that's never really kind of, you know, as, as regards clients, sometimes editing is like, this magical kind of whenever you know that you're going to somehow fit in 
you know, which isn't obviously part of the shoot. Ma magic is the word. <laughs> they, they think it's coming out of the camera, into the computer, yeah. and then you're just putting it up on the website yeah. for them to look at. There's nothing in between. No. Like, there isn't hours and hours of just tweaking color temperature and mm -hmm. opening up some shadows and, oh, dear Lord, look at, you know, there's like six frames that are out of focus, so pull those out. And I mean, for me, if I was, I mean, my clients will differ to yours. Your, your clients would be more exacting, I think, as regards high-end images. But even if I'm shooting for clients, I mean, if I'm going well, if I'm like really flying through stuff, you know, it's 20 minutes, 20 minutes to half an hour per image. And that's if you're, for me, that's if I'm really, you know, motoring really sort of kind of, you know. Really? Yeah, really, wow. really sort of kind of. And, what, and, and well, is that to 100%? And at, at that point you're happy? Or is that just to, for them to do their picks from? Is that like a final, final edit? Taking 30 minutes? Well, if it was, edit, if it was editorially, say if I was shooting for Getty and it was an editorial shift, no, I would be much, much quicker. Those images will be seconds yeah, to minutes. Yeah. They will be seconds to minutes. That will be, you know, be very, very little adjusting the bit of contrast, you know, levels, bit of unsharp mask and gone, you know, crop and gone. That's really, it's, it's, it's speed. Well, you're even going that far into actual sharpening as well? Yeah. Well, if it needs be, if it needs be, I prefer not to, but... I think, yeah, you would most times give it a bit of punch. Um, for the clients that I work for, yeah, generally even, I mean, if I'm away on assignment for clients, whoever that would be, you know, like I, I won't have that much time to spend, like you know, 20 minutes to half an hour on a picture for me would be a luxury. Yeah. You know, it would be, you know, certainly with, volume expected probably Rob as well you know so it's different for you because you're well how many, <laughs> how many it images totally depends I mean for for advertising clients for agencies yeah you you might get away with four to 15 images maybe mm -hmm. out of a day's shoot out of a quote day's shoot mm -hmm. you know I shot a commercial client last week and you know, there's 120 images they want. Mm -hmm. You know, commercially speaking, you know, that's where in this country, I sort of just let it go and I go, okay, 120 images, there's no way that I'm going to be doing retouching 120 images. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you global corrections, you know, mm -hmm. and spit it out of Lightroom and the color temperature is going to be within 10 or 20% of being finalized. You might need to go in and open up some shadows and you might need to tweak the color temperature a bit, but 120 images, there's just no way. No way. I, um, so in the last couple of weeks, I was shooting a movie premiere down in Dublin for Paramount Pictures through Getty. And um, there was two evenings of it. There was a fan-based event. The first what, red evening. carpet stuff? Yeah. So red carpet stuff. Um, and also... <sighs> kind of the red carpet was extended so you have arrivals and then the, the, the stars go in and had you know extended red carpet with media and then also kind of there was setup stuff as well so for that paramount expected approximately 120 pictures and those had to be those had to be wired immediately to to the states and then they approve which ones they want 
so you're sort of kind of you're waiting or rather I had an editor on site so I didn't even I'm not I'm not editing the pictures at all I'm just literally giving the card there is that a Getty it. editor or is that a, somebody you hire yourself no it's a, it's a Getty editor or somebody I should say Getty hired so you don't get to see and then so it's 120 pictures they'll pull out 120 pictures and then maybe maybe a dozen maybe slightly more are approved so there's very very little work on those as well that's really you know fast turnaround yeah you know so well that's good that sounds decent enough yeah i mean that's a that's a good sort of workflow and yeah it might be quick paced but you know what maybe a couple hours after the shoot after the, the day's d- end you're, you're done, done. <laughs> you're, yeah, done. you're done yeah it's all done and dusted and yeah crack a beer and yeah i think probably the, the it's not an issue you have with it but because you don't get to edit your own pictures because somebody else is choosing so you're shooting rapidly and there's there's a lot of stuff going on it's so a lot of trust it's a lot of trust <laughs> yeah so um it's funny too because the, the the person that was editing um really liked one photograph and I looked at it and I went, that's never going to be approved. <laughs> it's just never going to be approved and it was proved right. You know, it was probably one of the better images, but yeah. Can you say why 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 you didn't like it? No, I did like it. No, oh, you I, did like I, it, no, but, did but, like but, it. but why um, it wouldn't have been approved? I think because it, it probably, I don't, I don't know, it probably wasn't happy or smiley enough. It was more kind nah. of intense picture, but it, would, it was a picture that caught your eye, but... You know, I knew straight away that no, that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. You know, so but the editor, she she was like, oh, no, I don't really like that. I said, no, I really like it too, but it's it's not coming back. <laughs> it's not coming. It's, it's a one way ticket to the states. It's not coming back. And yeah. So, what what qualifies you as a Getty f- photo editor? You know, um, in, especially in Dublin, I wouldn't have thought. You know, um, must be few and far between. I think. Yeah, I think, well, it's it's another photographer, basically, who's yeah. working alongside you, and you're just shooting, and then they're taking the cards, and kind of as the event goes on. Um, you remote, you, you, some of the things I do for Getty would be remote edit, which is you're literally just filing from the back of the camera. There's no adjustments. Mm-hmm. It's a live event. Another, JPEGs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like... Rarely, rarely, rarely do I shoot raw. Yeah. Raw. Don't have the time. Not even to like a second card or anything. It's not I mean, worth it. it. It's not. It's not worth it. Yeah. For me, like even the amount of stuff that I shoot. I mean, if you go to you know a sporting event, you're shooting thousands of images. Like to even to start to try and bag that up as raw files on a hard drive at home, <laughs> like you're just. Yeah. You're not earning enough money to do that. There, you'd be basically competing with Apple and Silicon Valley or wherever where they've got all these storage systems, you know, in a field of data banks somewhere. Um, so no, no, it's just, it, some of the stuff, like if you should, I mean, I have a D5, a D4S and a D810. File size is so big and a D810 is a JPEG. You know, there's not that much of a difference I really see for the stuff that I'm doing. What, resolution-wise? Yeah. Like, why, why would, yeah, that's a lot of resolutions to be using forgetty yeah you know but then again the d810 is a feature camera it's it's just it's better mm-hmm. it's better in certain situations speed no fast moving images probably not um but for features and portraits and that kind of thing it's just it's light years ahead i know there's the new the d850 but i haven't ever felt the need to go down that route yet are you an ambassador no no I'm not no 
Unfortunately, no. <laughs> I'm just curious, yeah. Yeah, you, you shoot Canon. Yeah. Yeah. What's your highest res come of a 5D Mark you or 1D? Oh, the, uh, that I own mm -hmm. would be, I have a 5D Mark III and it's mm -hmm. uh, 21 megapixels. 21? Yeah, 21 megapixels. Mm -hmm. So the D, the D at 10 that I have is 36. I think the D... 36 or 42? The D at 10 is 36. D at 50 is 46, is it, I think? The newest one. It's... But it'll shoot at 9 frames a second. Apparently. Allegedly. I think I think the 10 is 42. Because I, so. I, I own two of them mm -hmm. in the past as backups for the Pentax and they were the only mm -hmm. ones that were... De decent camera. Lovely camera. Well, not for me. You didn't like it, no? <laughs> they both... They both were so... They were always not breaking, but always malfunctioning. And they wouldn't work with Wi-Fi cards. Right. Couldn't I've get enough. Tried, I've never tried them. Couldn't, couldn't get enough voltage to the SD slot to, to kick the Wi-Fi mm -hmm. to move the files. Even the smallest JPEG that you could create to that Wi-Fi card wouldn't transmit. And, and you were just sending from the camera to the laptop for the client to say you're to, on to the an job. IPad, yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't couldn't do it, and uh, it have all sorts of stalling problems. I had a brand new twenty four to seventy two point eight, uh, beautiful lens, great lens, and but it, the camera would always seem to lock up after like seven or eight frames. Mm -hmm. Really small buffers. I compared both cameras, both cameras with the same firmware, the same cards, and we'd fire them off, and one. I can't remember the exact number, but one would get a burst of like 10 frames and the other one would get, would get a burst of 14 frames mm -hmm. before the buffer would kick in. But exactly the same camera, exactly the same firmware, same media, totally different results. And, and you didn't notice the difference in, say, your resolution or your file size? Because obviously the, the D at 10 on paper is bigger than the, the 5D Mark III. You didn't notice any discrepancies between... The, the big thing... I, I, I will say about the Nikon, the the color was much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was so much easier to work in Lightroom with a Nikon file. Mm -hmm. I found uh, much happier with the skin tones. Skin tones were way better. Mm -hmm. See, I still find that sometimes it runs away that hot. If you're in a in a situation where there's there's a lot of red. I, I still think it tends to lock onto it, so I have it tweaked, you know, kind of in, in my in my settings. I have a tendency to shoot it not in standard but in neutral. So mm -hmm. and just sort of, I've moved the contrast a wee bit on it. Um, I just think it tends to lock on red a wee bit. I think it's a Nikon thing. I find the Canon a bit more pinky. Do you think so? Yeah, like magenta. It's just it's just the wrong just the wrong skin tones maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's my lighting maybe it's my pro photos or something but mm -hmm. i just find that landscapes you know inanimate objects mm -hmm. still lights and stuff no problem but as soon as i get a skin tone in there never never really quite happy with the canon mm -hmm. skin tone the nikon was easy the pentax super easy to get beautiful skin tones you love your pentax but 
I mean, for durability, I'm, I'm sure the Nikon is as durable, if not more durable than a Canon, you know, when it comes to professional See, I don't know. bodies. I've, I've always, I've, I think I've heard, I haven't had that many issues with mine down through the years. And any, any breakages have always been my fault, you know, from dropping something, you know. Um, and I have dropped stuff and, it's, and it hasn't broke. But the, my experience from listening to between Canon and Nikon users, Canon seems to be more durable. I've, I've heard more complaints from Nikon users than Canon. From, from the, maybe the 1D bodies. Yeah. From the Pro Pro bodies. Yeah, yeah. So even the lens mount, Nikon one always kind of just kind of feels as if you're grating against something whenever you're... you're, See, you're I love the idea that Nikon kept the mount. Yeah. But it was always going to be a compromise. Yeah. It's a compromise from the 50s. Yeah. You know, when that mount was first developed. Great idea to be able to put on legacy lenses, but, mm -hmm. you know, when Canon developed the whole EOS system in the 90s, hey guys, let's make a brand new mount, let's make it really big, make, make it secure. It just, it just feels a lot easier going on, going on the camera. The Nikon, it, it tends to be, oh, that's really lined up, well, that, that, doesn't, that feels as if I'm grinding against metal here. Mm. You know, it's very, you get into the way of doing it, but the Canon one just feels, you know, more robust. Or yeah. To just bear. It's easier aligning the, the the thing, you know. So we have an interloper here. Yep. Amber's looking for something. <laughs> Amber's always looking for something. Vacuum cleaner. <laughs> What's it say about Labradors? They're like the canine. They don't stop eating until oh, their stomach explodes. Yeah. yeah. My my go-to lens would be the seventeen to forty Canon. It's not the most sharp lens wide open but mm -hmm. you know you get down to five six eight you know it really tightens up corners are kind of soft but then again would you ever put in a corner yeah i like it i love the perspective from it but see i, I like soft corners i like you know vignette I, yeah yeah oh no 100 percent, definitely my problem with that lens though my go-to lens is that it's uh, a bellows it's a suction bellows. And every time you zoom it in and out, it's just breathing dust through the elements, just back and forth. I get that thing cleaned every six months. Every six months. And if I do a factory, I gotta take it in to get it cleaned after that, for sure, for sure. Cause it's just, there's dust throughout the elements. It's crazy. All my other lenses, maybe been in once maybe everything's just kept in the case till it's needed and i think probably for me the lens that's had the most abuse is probably the 24 to 70 i've dropped it a couple of times once i hand um i've cracked it i'm doing a job once and cracked an element i just cracked the bottom end of it it kind of broke in two <laughs> <laughs> i was on a four bike or kind of a quad bike Kind of thing, and the guy says, "Well, you have to get off now." And I, I had, I didn't realize that the <laughs> or the camera that I had um, wasn't secure. I had one around my neck, and I thought I had the other one around me, but I didn't. So whenever I kind of jumped off the the, the, the quad bike, was still moving. It just kind of just chinked ever so ever so cleanly just off the, the front of the camera. It didn't damage the mount, thank God. Um, it just kind of just boom, just off it came, so it was able to be put back together. And the the, 
the mount on the lens was still the mount on was the still body. on the lens, or there were still wires connecting it. So it was, you know, yeah, mm. kind of. A, I had a, had a seventy to two hundred that was wasn't working all that well, and I thought I think I could fix this myself. It just feels a bit loose. <laughs> <laughs> I started to take it apart, and it looked simple enough. Kind of just oh no, just have to kind of realign this here, just tighten the screws. But whenever I unloosened the screws, and then just kind of took the casing off. It was literally like a nuclear bomb. There was all these wires and everything. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> this is, no, no, this is too much. Let's <laughs> just close this. You know? It was, yeah, it was beyond my skill set. Yeah, I, I would never... No, that was a lesson learned. No, it was I think the closest point. thing I'll come to fixing in photography equipment it might be a tripod. Right. <laughs> I can't or even a manage a monopod. Once, once, the, um, once the monopod starts to get that list, I, I think once it goes, it goes in monopods. Like I just, you know, you have the wee sort of discreet tighteners at the back. You're supposed to tighten the, once they're gone, they're gone. Disposable. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing isn't, I have a ball head, a very old fashioned ball head for, I have, a, I have been using, is it 390Bs? Manfrotto. Manfrotto. Yeah. With so, the one knob, yeah. one knob and the pan tilt lever. Well, yeah. 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 So That's what I have. Yeah, it's really heavy. The one I have, I don't oh, know. Maybe, maybe, yeah. you're, maybe you. I got the find. lighter one. You got the lighter one. I got well smaller. It's a smaller head. I'm, I'm gonna show you mine. So, um, yeah, it just it's it's a good weight. So it isn't. If anybody gives you any trouble, that's also a fantastic defense mechanism as well. Yeah. Um. The so I bet that that just goes from monopod to monopod basically as I go through them. You know. Mine has, through the years of being thrown into the back of yeah. trucks and cars and everything, the pan on it somehow has gotten stiff, so there's a mm -hmm. bend in it somewhere. Right. The ball is great because it's just it's just a big rubber knob, and I can flick it and mm -hmm. just move it, and, I, and I'm ready. See, see, the one I have is, is pure heavy kind of metal. It's got one big lever, but the... the has it got the chrome ball? No, there's no there's no ball on it. It's oh, like it it's a it's like a there's the base of it which screws into the top of your of your monopod, and then there there is I sorry there is a ball in the base, and it's it's all metal, and it's a flat top with a quick release. Yeah, but it's it, in your hand. It's a it's a heavy rock. You yeah, know, it's, it's it's heavy, you know. So it gives the monopod quite a good weight. So in theory. You know, I don't actually tilt it all that much, but it gives you that option sometimes, you know, if you want to. Yeah, mine is it's, it's, 15, 20 years, 20 years old. Yeah, mine would be getting there too. Well, maybe, maybe it's not somewhere. And, and you can't, you can't buy them like that no, anymore? No. You know, all the Manfrotto products now have like so many bells and whistles on the yeah. heads and it's, I just want a really super simple, fast action ball head that's short. Would it be really bad to walk out on this here and get it and bring it back in again? Oh, I believe you, I believe you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm looking at heads now, you know, because mm -hmm. the, now the pan has gotten stiff. I'm starting to look at heads and, you know, you can get all these Chinese heads that are just, you know, 100 pounds mm -hmm. for a Chinese head. And, but it looks like it's worth a hundred pounds. Yeah. You know, it's going to last you six months, and you know, yeah. you'll be behind another one. So I've I've now been looking up up the road at 
short heads and the, the nicest, shortest head I can find is an Arca Swiss. Right. <laughs> uh, $1,100 from B&H, you know. Have you been to B&H in oh, New yeah. York? Yeah. I've, I've been to the original B&H, you know, years ago. Right. In the late 80s, early 90s when they had the, when they used to have the crazy store. Now that what now was the craziest turn. I was in it about ten years ago. Yeah, with the conveyor belt over your head. I and think it, there was a conveyor belt. Yeah. It, but there yeah. was like three or four floors to it, wasn't yeah. it? And then you had like the supermarket checkout. Yeah. At the bottom, with all the kind of it was it was all Hasidic Jews, wasn't it? I yeah. think yeah, it was. All, it was yeah. Yeah. Before that, they had like just a crazy chaotic store mm -hmm. uh, where you'd be you'd tell the person on the floor what you wanted and things would come out at counters and be thrown at you and it was insanity mm -hmm. and then sometime i think it was in the mid 90s they moved shop and they they went to this conveyor belt system where you placed your order and it comes out like argos almost you know mm -hmm. where from behind some closed magic, door. Magic curtain. But yeah, where was the... There was one store one time I went in for another company I used to work for and I bought a whole bunch of pro photo stuff. Did I buy a pro photo there? No, no, excuse me. I bought, uh, bought a bunch of camera equipment, some lenses, large format lenses and stuff. And it was all Hasidic Jews. Mm -hmm. It was a U-shaped counter... Mm -hmm. There's a guy beside me from Chicago buying $250,000 worth of Speedatron equipment with cash. I was, I came in. What was I, the shit in Chicago that was able to buy It was cash? a catalog, catalog house. So just, you know, 250 grand worth of Speedatron equipment. He was coming from Chicago where Speedatron is made and their headquarters is to New York to get it cheap from B&H to bring it back. Mm -hmm. I had a measly $25,000 on me. And I was like, you know, I was, I was like 20s, my early 20s. 25 grand. And I'm so worried about being mugged in New York. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, because anybody behind me could like, yeah. you know, they, if they know I've got the cash, they could, when I walk out the door, that, that I'd be over so I told the guy, I said, you know, can you please count it, you know, under the counter, you know, mm -hmm. just make sure it's all there. And, it, you know, he goes, hey, Alec, you'll bring down the machine. They bring out a cash counting machine. They stick it on the counter. 25 grand. Let's do it one more time. 25 grand. All right. All right. I guess that's just what you do here. These are nice life moments too, aren't they? Because these are the kind of things you remember. It's an experience, and it's a really good experience. Like even it's such a strange environment for me. Come from Northern Ireland, going in, and it's kind of right. Okay, this is a bit mental, um, but yeah, no, it's good. It was that whole area, that whole photography district down yeah. there. You yeah. Just walk from store to store to store. Yeah. Coming back across the border with, I had a. A large format Nikon 400, 600, and 800 convertible It was lens. worth your while doing that, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had three, well, it's a, it's a convertible large format lens, 
So you just take off, I think it was the rear elements, mm -hmm. and it would make it from 400 to 600. I think, I mean, I think there was used to be a lot of people used to do it, even from here. People would have went to New York and done their shopping, done their camera shopping, and come home, and it was still cheaper to oh, do that. I don't think that's the same anymore. I don't, you don't hear so much about that. It's pretty tight. It's pretty yeah. tight right now. I mean, when I bought my, my last uh, Mac Pro desktop computer, I looked at Dublin, I looked at New York, and I looked at here. Mm -hmm. And there was 500 pound difference. No, there was even tighter than that. 500, 500 pound difference to New York. And I think it was like a 600 pound difference to Dublin. So at that so time- So 500 pounds more expensive here? Here than New York. We see, you know that, um Flight-wise, there's flights, there's Norwegian oh. Airways, they fly to, it's Providence, isn't it, I think? They fly to yeah. Providence, and then they advertise it was Boston, but it's Providence. Providence is, I know this because I've, I've... Rhode Island. Yeah, it's, it's Rhode Island, but it's still, I'm trying to remember the how much time it would have been. I think Ethiopian fly as well, from right. either Dublin or Belfast mm -hmm. to that area, mm -hmm. cheap. But I think from, from Providence to Boston is still good. Still very good. Providence to New York? A couple of hours to New, to New York. Well, Providence to New York would be half an hour, 45 minutes. No. Yeah, yeah. To oh, New yeah. York State, maybe, but not to No, to no, New to fly? Oh, to fly, yeah, yeah, yeah. to fly. Oh, no, I'm talking about driving. Oh, driving, yeah, yeah. forget it. Yeah. yeah, hours. Yeah. But, yeah, what are you, you going to do? You know, it's just the way things work. Apple, you know, and Apple is distributed out of Dublin. Mm-hmm. And it's still, yeah, yeah, doesn't make any sense. So, um, speaking for a photo, have you looked at these A1s? Have you been, yeah, I've looked at them. Uh, I think if you already had a bunch of pro photo stuff, yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a good idea, yeah. And if you're that type of photographer, a wedding photographer, or you know, news sort of person. To be able to slap on a, a thousand pound, thousand dollar hot shoe mounted flash on your camera with a big digital display mm -hmm. that you can also control all your other pro photo lights with mm -hmm. because it's a remote, it's a master. Yeah, it makes sense, man. Mm -hmm. And you can fit on all the... And you pretty much know that it's, it's, it's as powerful, if not more powerful than having a quantum pack. It's gonna fire pretty much, it's... I mean, going from the tests I've looked at, I mean, if you're firing as you normally would fire, not in full power, that thing's going to last you days, basically, you know? it's Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about the lithium batteries that it uses, or how much they are, or mm -hmm. how long they last, but... I think it's pretty healthy. I think it's really, it's kind of, it's like... I think it really just, I mean, it opens you up to a whole bunch of OTF shapers, light shapers mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. And... You know, to be said for Profoto, who, who've always had this stigma of being super expensive, mm -hmm. their OTF shapers are so cheap. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all Chinese made now, but I mean, it's they're so affordable to buy like silly little Octolites for 150 pounds. And yeah, there's a great one that comes with that. It's really light, sort of kind of wee softbox. Yeah, and it's a portable studio, proper portable studio. It's even, I mean, I have Allen Chromes. Um, and they're small and great. 
The um, little mono heads? Yeah, they're little rangers we climb. Oh, the battery operated yeah. ones. Yeah. So, but to have a hot shoe mounted studio flash that you could just fire with all day, it is, it is expensive. I have a couple of. What's a quantum worth? Uh, I'm not sure. Probably I mean, six I've, or seven. I've never, I've never, I've never, I've never used a quantum pack. I've always just the Q flashes. I, I use um, a couple of Nikon speed lights, and I have a third-party speed light as a backup because it was cheap. One of those Chinese ones, mm. yeah, because it was like. And to be honest, I've used it. There's very little difference between it and the. It's reliable. It's reliable. Yeah. yeah. It maybe isn't. When you dial it in, you know, like it doesn't seem to be if you're shooting at one quarter power on your on your Nikon, you maybe would have to set it to one half power on the to get the same amount of light, but it's consistent. It's just you just yeah. It's, it's just that's all you change. You know, there's no visually it looks the same. It, it's, it's compatible with the Nikons totally. for high speed flash and everything. Yeah, totally. It's it's. Do you use that much? Not really, Rob. No, not really. You know. Um, I'm not really doing any events where we really need it. Or, Dancers or maybe, and... You know, generally speaking, I'm going to use available light the best I can. Yeah. You know? Um, um, now and again, I mean, I, I shot Irish Dancing um, last year and shot it on available light and actually took a tripod and slowed the shutter speed down because there was part of the stage, was, was there was a small part of the stage was, was, was blacked out. So whenever they moved past that little still short speed with the sequence and everything, it was quite nice. But oh, was, like a nice blur. Yeah, okay. but it was cool. but it was really like there was it was only a small part of the side stage was blacked out. The rest of it was all kind of Irish dancing kind of stuff. You know, mm -hmm. so there was only a one wee window where you could kind of get them. So that's it, cool. Yeah, no, it was it was it was nice. It was. Did you did you strobe it as well just to get a no. little drag and a little no crisp? no no I just I kind of um, I'm not sure you would use flash. In the venue, I don't sure, pretty sure you weren't allowed to do it. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, pretty strict. Um, but no, just shot it, just as just natural movement, you know. So, yeah. My friend, uh, my friend in North Carolina, he's uh, he's actually going to rent an A one. The, the the Pro Photo Flash. Yeah. He's going to rent one to see if he likes it or not. He's got a bunch of. I think B ones, and he might have a D one as well. Mm -hmm. So the A one, so it, it's a master as well. So you can, so if you buy, if you buy two, one can fire the other one off. Basically, you don't have to buy one of these air ones. Your A one, your hot shoe mounted flash can actually control your big B one mm -hmm. or D one heads, as long as I guess they're all air compatible, mm -hmm. or even the big Pro Photo packs. Mm -hmm. It's all air compatible, so you can dial up groupings and individual heads and everything. Mm -hmm. That's my understanding of it anyhow. Mm -hmm. I watched a short little B&H video on it. Mm -hmm. They look nice. I probably would never own one, but yeah, they look nice. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not enough power for me, you know, trying to get, you know, if I'm going battery operated and I'm in somebody's office and I'm running around real quick, you never know. I might need F8. I might need F11. I might need to carry the whole office space. Mm -hmm. So I'll put a couple of heads down at the end of the office and a couple of heads in the foreground. You know, what? what's the little A1 like? Mm -hmm. 150 watt seconds? Jesus, I'd have to have like 10 of them. Start lighting up big spaces. Mm -hmm. 
mean, I have the three Profoto Acute 600Bs, and with those, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I, I can light a pretty decent space, pretty big room. Start bouncing them off walls and into corners and stuff, and mm -hmm. in a nice soft light. Or if I use the Magnum reflectors, they're sort of deep dish, long throw reflectors. You know, I'm not worried about shadows. Mm -hmm. Put them off in corners and just fire them into the middle of the room. But little hot shoe mounted flash, I can't even tell you the last time I used a hot shoe flash. See, I, I would, there's, there's kind of wee feature jobs that I do that I'll still actually use just my speed lights you know, just for speed and ease of use and yeah. kind of sometimes even space issues, I'll just light it with speed lights, you know. Um, and certainly if, if I'm, I've seen me even recently doing portraits in a small white room with a low white ceiling and just, just turn them back and just, yeah. and it was, it was, it was as perfect as you could possibly hope it for it to be, you know, yeah. it's just, you know. I'd love for my life to be that simple. <laughs> That's simple. I wouldn't, where say I, could was, take, I wouldn't say it was. It was simple. I could take was, one bag to a shoot. <laughs> well, that, that I was in. The, I was actually in Prague, in the Czech Republic, and it was um, it was an athletes award ceremony. So I had to share where I was doing the official portraits of the winners with TV crews who were doing kind of a mix zone red carpet where they were, they were interviewing um, the athletes that had won. So, but. Because I was working for the um, the Olympic Committee, I I was kind of it was it was my gig, but I had to share the space with them. So the athletes had to come to me first. So I had because I travelled to Prague, I didn't want to travel, take a whole bunch of lights. So I just had my speed lights and mm -hmm. a couple of tripods to mount them on. So because it was a low white room, that kind of a low ceiling white room, it kind of as I say, I just turned them behind me, bounced them off the ceiling, then against the wall, and then back into the yeah. So. But actually, the light was like it was it was perfect. But the key was, I had these two tripods set up, almost like goalposts. But I couldn't have any of the TV crew personnel. There was like four or five different TV crews as they you know as the athletes would go down the red carpet. But they kept wanting to come into the space because the athletes athletes were coming to me first, so they wanted to film the athletes being photographed. But whenever they come in behind me, they're killing the light. Yep. So I was having stand up rows with, you know. Uh, which wouldn't be likely um, with people from you know, other like, countries. Yeah, you know, and from the Czech Republic, their country obviously too. Um, like you cannot stand here. You cannot. You're killing the light. You know. So um, that bit was fun. Mm. So was. being very diplomatic. No, not being <laughs> diplomatic. One guy, he was like, "No, I'm not moving." I said, "Like it's up to you. You know, I can have you moved." You know, like, and he was like, "No, no, I have to be here." And I said, "Right, look." You cannot be there. You can't stand there. You can stand to the side, you can take a yard to the side. So he was moved. You you got him I, moved. I got him moved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing was whenever it was like, right, like you're going to have to move, and he was like, no, this is right. Like I'm going to get you moved. So I think he thought it was bluffing, but then when he seen that I was going to speak to one of the officials to get him moved, it was like he was like, oh no no, I was only kidding. I was like, no, you weren't only kidding. You're moving. <laughs> and you he know. was check. Um, he might have been Austrian because one of the uh, one of the, the athletes um, was the leading Austrian skier, so there was quite a large Austrian TV uh, contingent there because of him. Mm -hmm. So they were really keen because you, you find that 
this kind of press jobs that TV crews like to film somebody being photographed. So they like to do cutaway shots and sure. stuff like that, you know, because it makes it makes very interesting. Yeah, it's 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 one of their sort of kind of go to things. So, but in that instance, in a lot of instances, you kind of the TVs can get in the way. The same way that photographers can get in the way of TVs when it comes to scrums and stuff, you know. Um, so kind of there's always this kind of trade off between. It, it's it's weird. Um, certainly, if you're doing, you know, kind of press stuff, and you have, you know, let's say you're at court or there's a press conference, you're kind of you're competing for the same space to a certain extent. But the TV guys are always so much bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly if they've got sticks or they're moving about, or sometimes you have somebody, you know, maybe is kind of pulling them backwards and forwards, or they're not, you know, kind of walking backwards onto somebody. So it's it's it can be tricky. Yeah. So it can, you know, because. TV crews, if it, whenever they set up for the press conference, it could be outside a court or outside a building or something, they have a tendency to go like wide angle on it so they're really close to the microphone stands. So there's usually only a little space between the TVs and the microphone stands. But the microphone stands are so big, or so the mics are so big, if you're down below the TVs, you're kind of, all you're seeing most of the time is microphones. You know, very little of the, you know, the people. So it's tricky, mm-hmm. you know. Nothing's ever right, bro. You never ever happen. I haven't ever, been in that situation. You know, I, you always get, are you happy? You always get this question, are you happy? Mm, no, not really. Even afterwards. Yeah. I mean, the worst I would ever have to deal with is is shooting at the same time for a TV spot, for mm-hmm. commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, when they bring a photographer in to do the stills. And, you How know, did you get on with that? Uh, pretty good. You know, I make sure... I always I try to make sure that I'm on the call sheet. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they won't put the stills photographer on the call sheet, so I make sure that my name's on the call sheet, so that you know everybody else in the production they run that, their finger down the list and they go, oh, you know, yeah. there's a stills photographer, and if they recognize my name, they go, oh, there's Rob. Mm-hmm. Then as soon as I get on set, you know, you first ask the first person, you go, where's the director? Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't recognize, if I looked at the call sheet and I don't recognize the director's name ask whoever's there, the caterer, <laughs> anybody, point me in the direction mm-hmm. of the director. If he's got a second, I shake his hand and I tell him my game plan. Mm-hmm. I go, look, if you're not shooting sound, I'll be off to a, to the side out of your blocking area and I'll try to shoot as whatever I can. And you're shooting with a blimp the whole time? No. No? No. You just shoot in silent mode on your cameras or you're far enough off that you're not interfering? Well, if I... Because if, the blimp's awkward. Shooting with a blimp oh, yeah. is awkward. <laughs> Definitely. But I mean, if they're not doing sound, I'll try to cover stuff off outside of their blocking area. If they are shooting sound, irregardless, either way, I'll ask him, can I have 30 seconds when you're done your shot just to have the subject mm-hmm. in the scene with your lighting? So you're, direct, so you're, so you're directing for those 30 seconds. You yeah. get to be the director. So they'll, when they're done their, their bit, they'll take their camera out you know, mm-hmm. and their rails, whatever, and I'll pop in there and literally for 30 seconds, I'll go, you know, look up, look down, look to the left, look to the right, uh, smile, don't smile, do this, do that, do that, do and within 30 seconds, hopefully, I've got what I wanted. How do, how do you find the actors with you once they've done, obviously, their prime bit, which is, you know, which is shooting the actual film? I'd you, never have a problem. Never have a problem? No. I mean, I'm, I'm I always pretty, feel like you're... You're, you're kind of a tolerated kind of nuisance to a certain degree, you know? You're kind of... It's something... It's a bad... 
it's you know it's always been the bottom of the totem pole the yeah. stills guy on a film set you know you always get the dread the you know but, the but remnants it's so, but it's so important because I mean, most people it's exactly it. that it, you are you are one of the most important people yeah, on that set because you're advertising a still photograph to represent all this motion that's happening during yeah. the day so whether whether it's a tv spot or a film you know you but, are but most people are going to connect you know, most people make their connection, you know, people see trailers and, but you, generally most people are going to see the film once, but to get you into the movie, there's a lot of kind of all the stills that, um, that, that go into it. Like, well, just think, about, think about Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, think about what a big show that is. And the fact that how often do you, like, I don't own a TV, but I guess you have a TV here. How often do you see Game of Thrones on the TV as a trailer? As advertising. No, that's, that's what I mean. You, but if you open any magazine, mm -hmm. any magazine, you know, whether it's a parenting magazine or an entertainment magazine or a sports magazine, you're going to end up seeing Game of Thrones somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's a still photograph. And that's the advertising for it. But you're, it's, it's Helen, Helen Stone shoots for Game of Thrones. Yeah. You're quite friendly with Helen, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but she does a good job. She does a great job. Yeah. Jeez, can you imagine? <laughs> Let alone being the stills photographer. But you're a woman on the crew and the stills photographer. Mm -hmm. She does a great job. She mm -hmm. does a fantastic job. She does a miracle job mm -hmm. to be to be literally that far down on the totem pole and have all those odds against you mm -hmm. and to get such amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. I, she she's from she, I think she likes to say she's from Palomina. She's actually from Hawthorne. So Helen, you're not quite from Palomina, but it's always good to see somebody from. You know, being from Balmain myself, seeing somebody that's, you know. You and Liam, right? Liam. Mason. <laughs> this is you? No, me and Liam, no, <laughs> not so much. I photographed Liam a couple of times, but it's always been a press situation. But Liam's dad and Liam's mum, Liam's mum would have been very friendly with my mum. And Liam's dad was the caretaker at our primary school, Barney. Wow. So, um, so yeah, so... Liam's dad used to drive this kind of orange uh, Volkswagen Beetle. It was very noisy. <laughs> uh, up and down the drive, it was very, like, even back then, you remember. And his, his dad was a caretaker, but his dad used to serve the minerals and crisps at break time, which was usually about 11 o'clock. So there was, yeah, you got your crisps and your minerals from Liam's dad. So <laughs> I think Liam's mum worked. I think Liam's mum worked at St. Mary's in the canteen for a while. Um, so, so yeah. Small country. It's small such a, world. It's such a small, this country here is so small. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. You know, people say, um, a, a friend of mine, um, colleague at Getty, uh, Andy Smith, he's married to a girl from here, uh, Linda, and he sort of jokes, oh, he's, he's from London, lives in London. Um, from Surrey, nice to say he's from Surrey, isn't it? Um, he he says, oh, you all know everybody. Everybody here knows everybody. And I was like, well, that's not, like, that's not strictly true. <laughs> so I stopped in with him, coming back from a job in England, um, called in with him and his family. And they had a visitor over from here. And I walked in and I was like, hi, Charles. I was like, hi, Claire. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was totally... Just reinforced everything. Totally reinforced everything. <laughs> yeah. So I was totally blown out of the water. God. 
Yeah. I don't know if you, uh, if you heard the latest controversy about uh, Christmas advertising. No. There's a Christmas advertising ad- advertisement, outdoor advertisement, that was positioned in uh, another city here. Right. And Is this one of those things where you have like a shopping center from another town yeah. advertising I, in a different town? Yeah. I've always wondered about that. Yeah. And they were, they've been going off the past couple of days and they actually had the... The shopping centers have been going off at each other or... No, the people. Oh, the people. The citizens. And right. Uh, well, our shopping center is better than yours. Oh, well, how dare you advertise your shopping center in our town? So they had the... It's not as if they had people the billboard taken down. They had the billboard taken down. It was removed and put in a different location. <laughs> Meanwhile, that same town has advertisements. In the in other town? Yeah. Right, okay. Just so happens I took... You took both of them? I took the photographs, no, of the one, of the first it's your, scenario. It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a Canadian photographer you in, see, in a Canadian photographer not understanding the complexities of division in Northern Ireland. Well, I was Where reading, even a shopping centre can cause offence. <laughs> I was reading some of the Facebook comments... And they went off, and this is a little Getty thing for you. They went off because one of the recent tourist photos, tourism photos for this area, happened to be taken by a German photographer from an American company. And how dare the local council hire this person to do this work? Now, granted, it was Getty. It probably wasn't, he wasn't hired or commissioned to do it. It was a stock image that they found and it was probably extremely unique stock image mm-hmm. because you know it wouldn't have been cheap mm-hmm. but they were upset on this facebook post that a local photographer hadn't been hired to to execute this image <laughs> i dealt with that i didn't deal with it personally years and years ago i was assisting a photographer peter sibold in in canada and we were going to Ottawa to shoot the Governor General mm-hmm. of Ottawa, of Canada, sorry. And uh, his 40 millimeter lens on his Hasselblad or his 50 millimeter lens cacked out. And we were scrambling around to find a replacement. So there's no rental houses in Ottawa. And I don't think any of the camera stores had one. So I started calling photographers. Mm-hmm. And I called up this one wedding photographer who I knew would have one because he shoots Hasselblad and you're not going to be a wedding photographer without mm-hmm. a 50 millimeter lens. And the earful that he gave me on the phone, how dare they hire a Toronto photographer to come here to Ottawa to take a picture of the governor general when I could do that same job. And the guy ended up writing the government a letter about it. I think photography is such a it's it's such a strange strange game and occupation that you know it's very territorial as you as you as you say and everybody you know everybody has their own everybody has their own ego and everybody has their own ideas of how their stuff kind of places things and but you know it's so members of the public you know like looking at pictures you know don't 
generally say, well, that picture's better than that picture. It either connects or it doesn't connect wrong. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Oh, Whereas, yeah. you know, photographers are all like, oh, no, you know, that picture's not really good. My, my picture's better. Or, you know, there's very, very little between it, you know, between, between the two pictures. So it's very, like, how you get into that, you know, kind of Competitive. That yeah, and, and it is competitive. Sure. You know, it totally is, you know, like, and certainly for me, working, um, working in the press area of it, like, you're judged every day you go out, you know, like the results are there generally the next day in, in the papers. And sometimes it can just be, you know, there's other photographers at the event that can be the shape of the picture. It could be, you maybe didn't do it upright. Upright fits that paper. That's the one that makes. But kind of, whether you like it or not, you do judge yourself and, and you know, you're, you're judged by your kind of your, your, your colleagues and your contemporaries, you know, by what appears the next day. You mm-hmm. know, and it's funny, I've said this before, like, if you have a bad day in the papers, even though your pictures are good and you have a bad day in the papers, that can last for days. Hanging over you. Totally hanging over you, you know, like, you kind of, you've, you, even after so many years, you'll have, oh, doubt that's rubbish. I mean, yeah, that's wasn't it. my best work. Wasn't my best work. That's, I'm, I'm losing it. You know, this is terrible, that sort of kind of stuff. And that will last until you have a good day. And the, and the ridiculous thing is about the good day you have, you know, that'll go on for days. The good day you have, the exact same set of pictures, Maybe not as good, but the shape or whatever can sometimes, you know, like, and then, you know, your confidence is up again. But the bad day can last for however long it takes to have a good day, but the good day will only last, I think. For that day? No, even that, you won't even get that full day. It'll last till about 11 o'clock, and then you're kind of thinking, right, there's tomorrow. You know, you're so, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Whereas the bad right. day, the bad day will last, kind of, could last for weeks, you know? So yep. it's ridiculous. I've got another another regional story. I got uh, I did a job for a New York client, mm-hmm. a media company, about three months ago. It went okay. It's kind of a not the best subject matter and not the best location, but I made the best of what mm-hmm. I had in front of me. I wouldn't have. It's not a portfolio piece, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's fine. They contacted me a couple of weeks ago and they asked me to do another story for them. I'm like, sure. And it was an exciting story. It was kind of interesting and something that I was looking forward to doing. Mm-hmm. Contacted me once. You know, it's that carrot mm-hmm. out in front of you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't hear anything back for a few hours. All right, I'll wait till tomorrow. Nothing. So I email him back again nothing again for a couple of days. So about five days later, I emailed him again. I go, still nothing. Comes back like three weeks later. Well, not three weeks, two weeks later. Oh, I'm really sorry. Uh, got caught up with Thanksgiving holidays. Uh, Is that a three-week event? Uh, uh, <laughs> got caught up with Thanksgiving holidays uh, due to due to time constraints, had to send somebody from here to cover the story. Wow. Time constraints. Whose time constraints? You you contacted me once. You don't know what my constraints are. Mm -hmm. I'm here. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't be any quicker of a way of doing (laughs) it than for me to shoot the subject matter, which is sitting right in front of me. Mm than for you to fly somebody from New York. <laughs> so what do you think what do you think the issue actually was? I think she forgot. You think she forgot? I was gonna say you didn't think it was it was a case of 
or somebody wanted a trip, mm-hmm. trip out of it, mm-hmm. fly this person over. Because, I mean, from New York to here, I can't imagine that flight would be cheap. No. Because they're not going to go to... To Providence to you're fly not going to out. Providence. As to lovely as Providence says, no, they're not going to go to Providence to fly. So they're doing a di- they're doing a direct to Belfast. They're not going to take the bus up from Dublin. They're going to no. do a direct to Belfast. There's going to be it's going to be a day or two days here. It'd be, it'd be Heathrow Gatwick and then Connecton. That's the only way. I don't think I don't think there is any more straight to Belfast. That that stop now. That really. I'm pretty sure it has. Yeah, I think the New York to the the New York to Belfast. American. Park, I think so. Or if it hasn't stopped, it's about to stop, I'm pretty sure. Because that's where that Norwegian airline came in, because it started doing... I think it flies to somewhere in New York State. It's not It's not JFK or anything there, but I'm pretty sure that American Airlines, it stopped. You know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I shot a guy in the summer who flies back and forth for work, and it lands in the city that he works in. That's mm-hmm. right. Poughkeepsie? No. Something silly like it's that. Not, it's, yeah. it's about 70 miles outside yeah. New York yeah. or something, and then... Yeah, because the flights are actually quite reasonable, but it's like then you have to factor in, you know, the bus ride or the taxi yeah. to the bus station. Or but but I can't, you know, I, I don't know why they ended up doing it that way. It doesn't bother me. I just said, hey, listen, you know, I'm here for the next time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have another client in New York who I've shot tons of stuff for, another media company. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden you go on Facebook and you you start looking and there's like the dining guide to Belfast and it's by this media company. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so who 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 shot this? Mm-hmm. They sent somebody, they sent a whole crew from New York to come here to shoot it. Again, you just sort of, you know, you raise your hands, you shrug your shoulders, you go, mm-hmm. hey man, they're the client, that's what they want to do. If they had a look and... See, that's what I was going to suggest. Was it, was it, but I mean... You mentioned it was a case of I thought maybe because you weren't from New York, even though you're obviously you're from Canada, but you're based here, that you know, you're kind of maybe looked down upon as, you know, maybe not as high end as somebody somebody's coming from New York as a New York photographer. Do you know what I mean? Suffer oh, yeah. suffer a wee bit and obviously that you know and we've talked about this before about the kind of the prices PR agencies here, you know, kind of expect, you know, photographers to come in at, which is totally kind of against the grain compared to... Well, this this particular client is probably the cheapest client I work for out of New York. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that I work for, period. They just happen to be out of New York. By mm-hmm. far the cheapest. They are, uh, I dare say it, $250 a day. Mm-hmm. And you work. And there's post, a lot of post. Mm-hmm. But the name of them Mm-hmm. is why you're doing it yeah. you know you're working for a client who's got a name and you can always put that on your resume and yeah. it means something yeah but that's the only well that's not the only reason I work for them but that's mm-hmm. the main reason but you know as I say we've had this discussion before about how certain ad companies and PR agencies here value photography or sorry do not value photography compared to other countries mm-hmm. you know oh it definitely yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? I. Uh, my, you have to say my, no. Well, I. I, well, I have to say no. I got, here's another example. You know, uh, two weeks ago, I had a film company call me up, a production company, asking if I wanted to do stills on the, on their commercials. 
I go, what's your budget? We've got two commercials. One, one is uh, all day, 150 pounds. Uh, the other is a night shoot for 300 pounds with post all images. Full bio, like there are in, ad infinitum. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I'm not trying to be rude, but I'm, you know, are you serious? Because I don't know anybody who, you mm -hmm. know, can afford that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. It, sure, we're getting back into that commercial end of things. It's not really advertising. They're going to use these images for anything and everything, you know, for however long it is until the mileage on the wardrobe, you know, runs mm -hmm. out or, you know, the style of the photography runs out. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I'd throw in the, the rights for that sort of stuff. It's, it's such a specific subject matter mm -hmm. that there's you know, no stock value yeah. at all to it. But at 150 pounds, you know, for a 10-hour workday plus, plus post or, or 300 pounds for an evening shoot, come on. Triple that, please. Yeah. You know, quadruple it. it it's, it's value. Those images, and, and especially when they start getting all the images, let alone to get so confused by so many images at the end, you know, for a client-wise, you know, to have, for a client to sit there and sift through 600, 800 images from a day shoot and go, this is what I want for social media. This is what I want to use for our corporate brochure. This is what I want to use for this and that. And, you know, if you were to, if the client was to hone down those images themselves, you know, mm -hmm. through, through my website, look at the images, pick and choose, come up with 20 to 40 images, you know, hero images, primo images. And then I retouch those, color correct them. There you go. And those images will stay nice and consistent for you for the lifespan of mm -hmm. the wardrobe or the style, you know, four or five years. But to get 800 images, it just confuses the matter. And they end up putting them on their server. And then everybody in the office has access to them. And then, you know, Johnny in, in whatever department grabs an image that's slightly out of focus, whereas the one before that and the one after that were perfect, but because they're all there, he, he just grabs it. Mm -hmm. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But you can't talk them out of it. They see, they see that, that value. I've hired a photographer. I have to get everything off their camera. Mm -hmm. That's what I've purchased. No, no, no. You've purchased my time to take the photograph. So you've hired me to take the photograph. Now you have to pay me to use the photograph. That's the way it should be. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, commercial clients mm -hmm. don't see that. Agencies see that. Commercial clients don't see that. It's the education process. We've come full circle in this conversation. <laughs> wow. How long did you tell that for? That's about an hour. So. Perfect. Well, thanks, Charles. Thanks for that end, end sync there. Um, Are we still rolling? Yeah, we're still rolling. Oh, just nice. for a second here, I just want to thank you. Didn't want it to leave it that hey, abruptly. No, that was good. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Thanks to Charles for sitting tight.
having a good coffee with me. Uh, sorry about the plane there at the end. Can't be helped. So listen for us next time here on Agitate, and we'll bring you another interesting person to talk to. Thank you. Bye.